Hey, and welcome to The Big Bear, episode 16. Lots of stuff to get into as there the doldrums, the dog days, the whatever of the offseason continues. Of course, uh, Krejci's imminent retirement, leaked retirement, Carlson trade. We'll talk uh, former great French-Canadian Bruins legend, Gilles Jobert, he passed away. Um, that's a top five Bruin goalie in my books, uh, at least this week anyway. And I got uh, some really great questions from some super Twitter folks and uh, lots more from me, uh, unfortunately for you, but let's go. I am Jay Pike. The Baked Bear is presented in partnership with Black and Gold Productions, LLC. You can find me on Twitter at my underscore Bruins, the pod itself at the Baked Bear pod on Instagram and threads at my underscore Bruins underscore and the pod is the same as Twitter at the Baked Bear pod or you can shoot me an email bakedbearpod at gmail.com love to hear from you see what you're feeling and thinking so we can talk it out and uh, don't forget to rate and review please and thank you follow and subscribe and like and love and all those things uh, and really uh, we all appreciate it very much uh, starting the quick hits with David Krejci, of course, uh, the news has leaked that he is going to retire uh, from professional hockey. It sounds like he might play a bit for the Czech national team, something like that. Uh, you know, I mean, that uh, that seems like something Krejci would do, so uh, good for him. Uh, I'll have a, more to say on his legacy and uh, his career and stuff in some later episodes after he's, um, you know, made his announcement. We'll, we'll have a lot of great content to take in, I think, which uh, will help talking about it and him uh, a little a little more fun uh, and interesting but right now um, I'm just kind of thinking about how like almost anticlimactic the news is that Krejci's retiring right I think we all kind of assumed Krejci was going to announce his retirement before Bergeron uh, but obviously our lord and savior Patrice Bergeron did his announcement for retirement first and the more I thought about it the more I thought isn't that kind of Classic Krejci, right? If Krejci announces first, he gets a lot of attention, right? Even though people are thinking, hey, Bergeron's going to retire. That announcement hasn't come, so let's talk Krejci, 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 Krejci. But this way he's done it, you know, and the wake of Bergeron's retirement is still out there. Like, it's not like Bruins fans have moved on and are over that. So Krejci kind of gets to retire a little more quietly and uh i gotta think that's very much crazy like uh part of me thinks you know what probably kind of intentional right uh no disrespect to crazy but his retirement doesn't have nearly the same effect on our bees and i think our bruins fans especially bruins twitter as bergies does yeah not a shot at crazy but we all know who bergie was and it's unfair to Krejci in that way. Um, but Krejci gets to use it to his advantage this time, I think. And, uh, I mean, we've already also kind of said goodbye to Krejci. You know, we spent an entire season without him once. And that was super recently. So, it's not actually hard to imagine a Bruins squad without Krejci. Because we've recently seen one. And that that's not to say that I want him gone I don't want him back next year hey if Krejci wants to come back I'd love some center depth right it's just I'm kind of trying to understand like the reaction to Krejci's retiring and how it's much more muted than it is to Berge and I think uh I I really do I think it was by design I think Krejci you know is going out 
the way that he wanted to go out. And uh, I don't know, he's the kind of guy that I feel like he's going to end up underrated by the time all is said and done when people are done uh, five years and we look back. I think uh, me amongst them, I think I, I'm going to think I uh, really underrated Krejci. But uh, for now, that's enough on uh, Krejci, but lots, lots, lots more to come once he's made his announcement. Uh, certainly not muted was Charlie McAvoy's wedding. Uh, loved that it was at the Boston Public Library. Like, what an incredible place to uh, to have a wedding. And, of course, the highlight, uh, the video of Bergeron and Marchand with their incredibly romantic and well-choreographed dance together. Um, it, the number that did on Bruins Twitter, and I think it continues to do, uh, has really been something to see. It's been great. I think a video like that was kind of just what Bruins Twitter needed. Right, we got to see Bergeron living his best life. There's Marchand. All of our guys we love are all as close as they ever were. It was a real uh, kind of palate cleanser, I think, for Bruins Twitter, uh, which tying back to Krejci a bit might actually uh, help when it comes to Krejci's retirement as well. And uh, we'll see uh, see what that does. But uh, a little bit more on that uh, dance to come. Yes, uh, Eric Carlson. He got dealt, you know, Pittsburgh by way of Montreal. Uh, Montreal got a second rounder out of it. I think that's a pretty good haul. San Jose did fine, I guess. They got a first round pick. They got some others. I don't know. I I wasn't overly moved by the trade. Um, I largely because I grew so tired of the story showing up on my social media feeds for like two weeks, three weeks. It felt like a month of just a picture of Dubas. And something about Pittsburgh trying to make it happen. Just over and over and over again. And I was like, all right, I don't actually care that much here. Um, yeah, I think what Dubas did was smart. I think he undid a bunch of uh, Hextall's nonsense. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that's for the better for Pittsburgh fans. But, you know, I'm I'm not overly moved by this trade. It doesn't move the needle a ton in Pittsburgh's direction to me. I mean, Carlson makes their power play better. But that's really kind of it. I mean, he's a bad defensively defensive forward who plays defense. He's he's like the anti-Bergeron in a way. Um, but I get that, you know, they brought him in and sent out some guys and somehow they brought on like a 10 million plus contract and saved money, which uh, seems like probably what the real point of all of this was. So, I mean, if the Bruins are a wild card team, this is the kind of trade that could come back to to have an effect on on our Bruins season because the Penguins very well could be one of those teams that we are competing for uh, one of those wild card spots with. So, you know, I, I don't think it moves Pittsburgh a lot. It doesn't make me think they're really any better than Boston is. I s- didn't think that before the trade. I don't think it after. Um, but I'm going to come back to this a bit uh, with my check in just a little bit later on. I was going to let it go, but the whole beer fingering thing, I think it just it just must must be addressed because it's fucking hilarious. It's like the visual version. It's like the personification of the word moist. You don't know why you don't like it, but it just doesn't. There's something off about it, and it just puts you off kilter. You know, it's not something that I enjoy. I understand why people don't like the word moist. I understand why people don't like... You know, the fingers dipping around in the beer. But the overreactions to the discomfort are just too funny. 
and takes all of my personal dislike of the visual and just makes it completely irrelevant because the overreactions to it are just chef's kiss so much fun to watch so uh and, and you know they're your fingers it's your drink you do whatever you need to do first two episodes of um only murders in the building came out and yeah i hope you're watching uh if you didn't watch the first two seasons i highly recommend it it's just, it's just a lot of fun show and this season uh paul rudd is a guest on it and he's just firing at 11 he's just volume at 11 going for it meryl streep is gonna fuck around and win herself an emmy award uh i can promise you that and you know steve martin selena gomez and uh the short canadian guy they're all just fantastic as always so uh if that's not something uh you've been watching i would recommend it it's it's uh it's a little bit of fun bruins um got some really sad news this week and uh bruins legend jill Gilbert died the age of 74 back on uh sunday Gilbert. uh it was fun going back and kind of reading about him a bit because i loved him as a kid growing up you know in kind of the 80s when i discovered my bruins fandom and started being really into goaltending which is what i you know would, would end up playing as i've said not very well but it's what i played and i always stick up for the goalies Gilbert was a guy I loved collecting his cards. I loved reading about him whenever I'd, uh, you know, find a, a goalie magazine. What was it? Great goalies or something like that. Um, it was one of those guys. I mean, this is pre-internet, so my information to him was a, a lot limited to uh, to that kind of stuff. So uh, I did have a bunch of his hockey cards. I think, unfortunately, long gone now. Uh, something I didn't know about him was he's actually the goalie who surrendered Jean Beliveau's 500th goal. Every goalie's got one of those i guess like where you are the guy who uh who another guy hit a milestone with i mean the guy's gonna hit it one way or the other it might as well be somebody um Joubert was drafted actually by the stars in 69 but the bruins got him in 73 to replace gary cheevers who had gone off to the whl of course uh Joubert went to the all-star game led the bees to the cup finals all in his first year um most notably he's probably known for you know being uh on the ice in between the pipes for that 1979 game seven against montreal too many men don cherry so on you know uh one of the more crushing losses in bruins history uh even if you weren't alive for it i feel like that's one of those ones that uh we've had to sit through and re not relitigate but relive over and over again especially if you watched uh cbc and hockey night in canada growing up that's that's all you had so you were constantly inundated with you know montreal canadians things and toronto maple leafs things and that was the life you led so anytime the bruins were on they were going to find a way to uh to play that clip um but of course there's no way to blame gilbert for that loss uh he was incredible in that series he got the first star in three of the five games that he played including the game seven even though he gave up the tying goal late and the game winning goal um that's just how good he was uh Cheevers, uh actually who had come back to the nhl had been benched after the first two games so uh i think these are little things about that whole story around that game that honestly uh i really did not know that so uh that's one thing. Gilbert and Cheevers, they were like, you want to talk Swayman Ulmark? These guys were Swayman Ulmark before Swayman Ulmark. Uh, and something tells me there were no goalie hugs back then. 
Jobert is sixth all-time Bruin in uh, playoff wins with 17 for a goalie, of course. Uh, his 75-76 season is incredible. And again, I I mean, I'm sure I knew about this when I was collecting his hockey cards, but I, it's been so long since, um, you know, I've put some time into thinking about Jill Jobert. Um, but his 75-76 season is nuts, and it should be discussed more. In 55 games, Jobert went 33-8-10. That's an 843 winning percentage. He set the record that year for consecutive wins by a goalie at 17. Now, one thing uh, I really find interesting, and I love reading the old stats, because his save percentage during a season he went 33-8-10 was .887. That's not great save percentage by our metrics today, right? His goals against was 290. So, for the sake of comparison... Omar's last season, which is a season for the ages as well, he had a 913 save percentage and a 260 goals against. So those are two gargantuan differences. Uh, shows you, you know, the the differences in the games and uh, a lot more uh, variation amongst goalies back then, I think, as well. Uh, obviously, I never got to see Gilbert play as he was a Bruin for only like six months of my life. But uh, as a goalie and a Bruins fan, like I said, I loved him. I loved his mask uh, with the stars. It was like, got that Cheevers vibe to it, but yet... I don't know. It was almost more menacing, the style of his mask. I don't know how, but uh, I'm going to come back to uh, Gilbert because revisiting all of this and reading about him uh, kind of is where my high take came from. So uh, that's coming up in just a moment as this episode is brought to you by Candy Store. It is a boutique hybrid. Yes, I'm all bougie today. 50-50 Indica Sativa. Really yummy. It's actually a little bit sweet, very smooth uh, smoke, super body calm, euphoric head high, you know, and it's a nice one for any time of the day because you do have that 50-50, but you got to watch your dosage because if you imbibe a little too much, you're probably going to be feeling a little lazy and then a bunch of sleepy, which is fine if that's what you're going for, of course. But uh, if you're trying to get some stuff done around the house after enjoying uh, a little puff of candy store, I recommend just making sure you just have a little taste. You don't need too, too much. Uh, and with that, this episode's high take. Gilles Gilbert was 70s Tuka Rask. Hear me out. I couldn't get away from 79 in that seven-game series against Montreal. Reading about it, it just became fascinating to me. And Steve Shutt, who played for Montreal at the time, of course. Uh, Steve Shutt's got to be a Hall of Famer. I'm not looking it up because I'm that confident in it. Anyway, he said that Gilbert was the reason that the Bruins were even in the seventh game. He said, and I quote, he stood on his head. But nobody talks about that. Do people remember that? Does Gilbert get the respect he deserves for that performance? Or... Does he live in our heads as just those two goals that he allowed? The tying goal? Which, in a vacuum, when you watch that replay, it's like, why did that go in? Like, how, those shots don't go in anymore, and so they're hard to kind of watch those. Be like, how? There's no goalie that should allow that goal, especially late in a game. Like, it's really, but it was obviously a, a, a very different time. And to me, it's a tough visual, right? But it doesn't tell the story of Gilbert, that game, or the series. But that's really, like, 40 years later, 40-plus years later, that's really 
all we remember from it. And I think Gilbert deserved better than he got there, right? He did his job to win. He deserved to win. But he got let down by the team. He got let down by the coach. And who does that remind you of? Tukarask, of course. 2013, 2019. Number 40 was the reason our bees found themselves in the final. I cannot emphasize it anymore, but I'm going to try. The reason we were in those finals. He was a runaway Conn Smythe winner if the Bruins win either of those series. I think he still should have won in 2019. Jordan Binnington can bite it. And both times he was let down by teammates and or coaching. Not in a malicious way, of course. I'm not angry at the players. I'm saying he did his job to get them there and needed something from them and didn't get it, right? And I think that Rask wears those losses in the fandom way more than he deserves to. And I think Gilbert wears that Game 7 loss against Montreal more than he deserves to. Now, one thing I don't know, of course, and I don't know if there's any way to find out is how Gilbert was treated by Boston fans after like his time was done right that's 79 um he the next season or 80 81 he was uh, off in Detroit so I've always wondered about that if Gilbert kind of had this negative air about him this irrational blaming of him for not having uh a Stanley Cup during his time as a goalie, uh, despite his being in a final and his, you know, getting them to a game seven semifinal by standing on his head. Was there a Gilbert derangement syndrome? Like there's Rask derangement syndrome, derangement, 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 derangement. fans just irrationally hating on him, despite his being the reason for the success the team had. I mean, I hope not. I'd like to think, uh, you know, without social media and 24-7 replays and 24-7 sports coverage that uh, Gilbert didn't have to live with that kind of nonsense, the kind of stuff that uh, Rask has to live to. Although I think Tuca, being the gentleman he is, he doesn't know about any of it. He doesn't pay any attention to it. So uh, the haters can suck it. And that will do it for this week's High Take. And now it's time to enjoy one of the finer things in life poetry. I give you this week's Haiku. McAvoy's Wedding. Greatest love story ever. Bergy and Marchand. Alright, gonna check in on my Carlson take, and let me say first and foremost that I I stand what I said about Carlson. Um, But it's possible that I'm making it a little more extreme than it is so uh i'm just kind of checking in on my take that carlson is a bad defensively defensive forward who actually plays defense he is the anti-bergeron as i said uh you know i guess you know jesus has satan bergie's got carlson that's a reasonable take right now i'm not checking in on the take because i'm worried that I'm not factually correct when I say that Carlson is a bad defensively defensive forward who actually plays defense because, well, it is factual. It's just, it kind of comes across asshole-like in nature. And uh, kind of, even I hear it and I'm like, why, why is this? Um, 
and this isn't a new take like this is something that i've i've said before i've been saying for a while like i i have been very vocal about um carlson winning the norris trophy and how kind of absurd it is um because clearly i'm pretty stubborn about my belief that the norris trophy cannot go to a defenseman who does not kill penalties a defenseman a defenseman who averages 22 seconds of penalty kill time per game cannot win an award for the best defensive player it's it just makes no fucking sense and it's just something i can't get rid of right it's a piece of popcorn stuck in my tooth and i'm just about ready to take the pliers to it right because it just isn't working change the selkie to the bergie change the norris to the or and create a new award for best offensive defenseman regardless of the glaring holes in their game defensively we're going to name it the cliffy and only bruins fans are going to understand it but that's fine okay obviously it's going to get named something else but I don't like when people say Bobby Orr should be the one who they name the best offensive uh, defenseman after because I think that actually discounts the actual incredible defense that Bobby Orr played, right? So to me, I want Orr being just best defenseman. Number one, who's the guy? Because that's what he is. I think there's a chance they go, uh, the Norris becomes maybe the Harvey and you get uh, Bobby Orr as the best offensive defenseman. But again, personally, that's not where I would go with it. But this thorn remains in my paw one way or the other. So I'm, I'm really hopeful with the obvious push that uh, Bergeron for the Selkie kind of gives to naming and maybe renaming some of these awards because the names are just completely irrelevant at this point um i'm not letting it go right so i might be underplaying the effect that the trade is going to have on the east and the penguins specifically i mean you know it just comes from something i believe in strongly which is kind of pretty ridiculous right because i also make fun of awards and award shows all the time because they shouldn't be taken all that seriously and what am i doing here taking them seriously so uh like a lot of my takes it's pretty much nonsense but uh that's what happens when you find the world truly absurd everything just uh is absurd talking it out today um actually focusing on some questions that i got i put out uh on the baked bears twitter at the baked bear pod i put out uh an opportunity for people to send me in some questions and i had some uh great folks get back at me with some questions so i thought uh for my talking it out i'm gonna talk out these answers to these questions right here and uh first one i got is from jason larade apologies jay if i'm saying your name incorrectly i'm just going phonetically remember first grade teacher i gotta focus on my phonics you can find jason uh on twitter at caper underscore j j a y uh and jay wrote in and he said is there anyone you would like the bruins to offer a pto uh pto being of course a professional tryout um i'll answer that first jay did go on uh with another question i i really don't i don't know if that's something i looked at the names i kind of looked at the guys who signed last year and then i took a peek at i was like no not really i think you know our cap situation being what it is uh you know i think it's possible someone gets signed to one but 
to me i couldn't uh pick out a guy to do it with honestly uh the second part of jason's question said uh and do you see a possibility where frederick earns a top spit top six spot over jvr so that one um has been something that i've been kind of given some thought and i don't know if if freddie sees top six time i don't know if it's necessarily going to be over jvr right jvr is kind of strictly left wing freddie plays the right and he dabbles in center could see a lot more center out of him this year wouldn't suck considering we need some center depth uh if freddie could actually play there but i don't know if necessarily one of them is going to affect the other one's ice time but at the same time i do also think we're going to see a ton of line combinations this year right monty has no problem mixing them up and i think especially early on in the season right he's 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 putting in a system with lots of new guys now this year. Um, I think there's going to be lots of opportunities for guys to push for ice time, to push for moving up the lineup. I think we have a lot of motivated players this year. Um, I think JVR is one of them. I think Freddie's one of them. Um, but I think also that the two of them, I, I won't be surprised if I see Freddie end up up on the second line at some point. It's not something I'd expect to stick, but I wouldn't be shocked if Freddie got his chance again I don't think it'll be at the expense of JVR I mean they're also two very different guys like JVR is that offensive first net front kind of guy people are talking about him and of course the power play like him being that guy getting the garbage goals possibly potting who knows 15 power play goals this year I mean that's not Freddie's role last year remember the LA Kings game last year when Freddie had two goals that was this incredible game where it was like is there any chance he can repeat this and the answer was no unfortunately um but that's like freddie has some offensive upside but he's not uh, not to the point of james van reemsdyke um but that was the one time that I kind of saw Freddie as who knows if he could play second line. Um, I just don't think he does have the offensive touch to play second line minutes consistently. Now, if year two in Monty's system, Freddie, you know, shows up, I'm more than welcoming the change. I just don't think that Freddie can be counted on for enough offense to play on the second line regularly. Um, so I'll be giddy as a schoolgirl if Freddie can make a jump like that. Um, that'd be fabulous. I just don't think it'll have anything necessarily to do with uh, with JVR. So, uh, Jay, I hope that answers your question. And then a couple, uh, I got some goalie questions. Shock of shocks. Eric Burgess uh, hit me up. You can find Eric on Twitter at BergTheGoalie. And he asked, in terms of the goaltenders, would you be looking to get Boosie some reps next season to get him ready for the show? So that's my first time, I think, saying Brandon Boosie's name. And I'm not confident I'm saying it correctly, but I say uh, Lucic's name all the time, and I'm pretty sure I'm saying that incorrectly too. So uh, we're going to get used to that. Um, but when it comes to Boosie, Am I going to, quote-unquote, look to get him reps this year? Honestly, for me, no. Right? We have Linus Olmark, the reigning Vesna Trophy winner, and Jeremy Swayman, who was a literal top-five goalie in the NHL last year, and we have them both back this season. 
So if Boosie sees time with the big B on his chest next year, why is now my question, right? Like, I, I, is did one of them get hurt, right? Do we have a fatigue issue? And if we do have a fatigue issue, what does that mean for who's playing more than the other? Is somebody playing really poorly? Like, if Boosie gets time this year, it's not necessarily for a good reason, like a reason that's going to make us happy. But if Ali or Sway do get dinged up or worse and Boosie gets called up for some time with the big boys, then I'd be all for getting him into a game, right? If he's there and there's a a, a back-to-back situation, give him the easier of the two starts, right? Get him that experience so he can feel that difference in the speed and the intensity of the games between the AHL and the NHL because it's a huge jump. And sometimes we forget that. And for goalies to kind of get a sense of that now and younger, and then he's going to need more time to, uh, you know, keep developing his game and growing and getting stronger and faster, all of that down in Providence. I'm all for it. I say get him, get him in. Let's see. That experience, I think, is invaluable. So why wouldn't you? But if we don't need to, if there's no actual reason to other than hey let's bring him up and put him in a game I would not do that personally because I think for this team this year every game like we're not winning 65 games again so wins are going to be more important to us this year than they were last year and those two incredible hugging goaltenders are going to be a big reason this team succeeds if they succeed so I'm not looking for Boosie to get uh, any reps for next season, but if he does, hey, I'm I'm going to enjoy watching America. I think like you know I'm I'm excited to see what he's got, but I'm more excited to see if uh, Omar and Swayman can, uh, in any way, shape, or form, replicate or just do something close to you know the numbers and the the play they gave us last year so uh to me that's the priority for now eric but uh i get if uh you're excited for boosie because he looks exciting and my guy mark all red on twitter of course at black and gold 277 uh he got at me about the goalies as well and he said if the bruins make the playoffs this season would you stick to tradition ride the hot netminder or would you change things up and roll with a rotation keeping both Swayman and Olmark fresh every game slash round for a hopeful long cup run um and I mean this is something that people have been talking about and I know I've been thinking about uh ever since the playoffs last year right like it was it was a thing then it was okay can you bring Swayman in for four what about five Ooh, maybe Swayman should come in at the end of six like this isn't something new to us and i think it it really feels like most people like feel like should have had that rotation keep going right what is making you successful that's the thing that should continue and i think that's where monty kind of fucked up in the playoffs right the things that were bringing us success aren't necessarily the things that he was doing in the playoffs so if in 23-24, Allmark and Sway split the starts, you know, 48-52, 50-50, something along those lines. I think when you go to the playoffs, that's what you have to do. You keep it going like you've been doing it. Why change it? 
if you've been having success, if both goalies are contributing to that success, I think that's what you need to do. Now, if anything changes with the goaltenders, say somebody gets hurt, or say one of them is simply playing that much better than the other one, and the numbers get skewed in a different direction, then yes, I think you you lean on the goalie that's been bringing you the success. If it's all Marcus Swayman, I don't give a shit. I know a lot of Bruins fans, you know, because Swayman is our draft pick, I think people are attached to him, but if Allmark's the one playing better, then going into the playoffs, I don't care what happened in the last last season in the playoffs. If Allmark is the one who's getting more time and winning more games in the regular season, then he should be the guy who gets more time in the playoffs. So if that happens, one goalie may take a bigger load. That's what she said. And they might happen this season, okay? And that's what you need to do in the playoffs. You need to, what is bringing you success? Keep that going. You, I, I know playoff hockey is a different beast. And there's truth to that. And you need to be able to kind of, you know, not be stuck in a rut. But I feel like that is where teams are with goalies in the playoffs. But look at Florida last year. Fuck, why am I having to use them as an example? But anyway, right? They started lying. Wasn't going so well. They went to Bob. The Bruins fucked up. And Florida went to the finals. So, you know, you can't be afraid of making these uh, switches. You can't be afraid of bucking tradition. And trying to just say, this is what's been giving us success why why am i going to ask one goalie to potentially play 28 games so i think that's kind of where i am with that it's it's very much kind of exactly how i felt as our playoffs were wrapping up uh in uh may or did our playoffs wrap up in april oh for fuck's sake um one way or the other that's how it went so uh i'm still there you know what is bringing you success don't sway from that insert Swayman pun here and one more thing uh, one more thing to talk out uh, Patrice Bergeron uh, he retired and he's still retired uh, so I hope you're still handling that well um, I know for me seeing all of the creative and wonderful Bergeron tributes in various art forms that were kind of popping up on Twitter was was just really great I, you know bringing all that happiness in and bring in the good memories i find it always pushes away the uh the frustration or the the sadness that's coming from uh something negative so uh, i really appreciate all everyone who's been sharing their uh their things and their tributes and their kind words because it's been for bergeron but as a fan of bergeron honestly i think it's uh it's really helped me so it's good that people are using their creativity to get their feelings out um you know that's that's what i live for Unless your creativity is like really boring, like Ed Sheeran's or something, then, you know, I'm good. But uh, otherwise, keep the Bergeron stuff coming anyway. Uh, it's really helping me. And if it's helping me, it's got to be helping someone else. So, uh, yeah, Bergeron's still retired, y'all. All right, that'll do for this episode of The Baked Bear. I've been Jay Pike. You can find me on Twitter at my underscore Bruins. The podcast, it's... I did it again. The podcast itself at the baked bear pod, Instagram and threads at my underscore Bruins underscore. And the podcast itself on Instagram and threads is the same as Twitter at the baked bear pod, or shoot me an email. Of course, baked bear pod at gmail.com. Don't be afraid 
be so kind. Leave a rating and a review. Like and subscribe and all of that wherever you listen to your favorite pods. Later, taters. Go bees. Bye, Lulu.